everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends. If you want to make more money with less marketing of your books, then go to my website, zbooks.co, and download my free niche finder tool at the top of the page. It's called Free Niche Finder Tool. And when you download that tool, you're going to get a bunch of emails from me that show you exactly what to do and video tutorials, and you're going to make more money by optimizing your books. I've helped a lot of people with this tool already. So go to zbooks.co and get the free niche finder tool. All right, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBooks Successful Authors Podcast. And with me today, I have Lisa Zarina Michaud. And she's debuting her debut novel, Slanted and Dischanted. Hi, Lisa, how you doing? Hi, Eric, how are you? Oh, I'm hot as hell. And it's, it's like 35 degrees Celsius. What is that, 90 or 100? In northern Germany, in nor- where are you at? I'm in France, so I'm outside of Paris, and we're not too far behind you. It's roasting here. Yeah. I'm sweltering hot. I'm up on the third floor, too, in my attic <gasps> office. <laughs> Me, too. Uh, I, I was going to open the window here, and then this big, huge, like, killer wasp came in. So I got all the windows closed. This is a sauna. Yep. I hope yep. our listeners and viewers are suffering with us. <laughs> so <laughs> My windows are closed, too, because my cat keeps trying to jump out the window. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not good. That's not he good. He gets stuck on the roof and then we have to go and get him. So we're just avoiding avoiding that, especially during a podcast. Yeah. Third floor is a little bit too high. Uh, I don't know how many lives your cat is on right now, but I wouldn't <laughs> test it on the third floor. No. So, no. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us um, what got you started in writing first? Well, I've been writing in my journal since I was seven. And it's funny, when I look back on my journals, it's not like these emotional stories. It's like a documentation of what happened. It was very specific. It's like, we went to the store, we saw this person, you know, it's like very detailed documentation, which totally came in handy when uh, we're trying to remember a story. And um, I just continued journaling until all through high school. And then I moved to LA and, you know, wrote little scripts that I did nothing with. And then script writing turned into blogging, turned into uh, writing articles that turned into a novel. So it's been like a 30 year evolution from journaling in this like cheesy little book that I got at a stationery store to writing a novel that comes out in the fall. That's cool. How many words is it? 84,000. <sighs> That's good. That's good. That's I'm writing a novel right now and 80,000 is my goal, but uh Mine was too, but then you've, the story just goes, mm, there's a little more to say. And you just keep going over your, your, uh, your word count goal. And I have yeah, the opposite. I'm going also. under and under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, tell us about your book. Well, it's told in um, alternating point of view between a guy and a girl. So our, my two characters are Pete and Carla. And Carla is an Italian-American girl who feels ignored and lost in her big Italian family. She's the only girl. 
And so she turns to rock music to find her voice and find her self-worth. And then we have her former classmate from high school, Pete, who is this music prodigy. He's French. He comes from a supportive family. He's an only child. And on paper, it seems like he has everything together. But as the book progresses, you, the reader goes on the journey, on this journey, and Pete's like a mess. He's dealing with a lot of stuff in his head. And because it's in the first person alternating point of view, we're really getting into the heads of the characters and how they can have the same experience, but see it completely differently. And the idea is that the reader is smarter than the characters. So we see all the misunderstandings between them because we see Carla's side and then we see Pete's side and how they're not connecting. And so the reader is smarter, but it takes place in 2000 and they are um, college dropouts and they start a rock band and they go on a tour. They start in New York and they go to California to kind of escape the suburbs and what they feel might be problems, um, things at home that aren't sitting well with them. And what they might find out is their problems might catch up with them on the open road. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but where do they end up? Or they end up tell. in California. Okay. Okay. It ends yeah. in California. And the thing is with the book, there's a third character in the book and it's mm. music and pop culture. So mm. the story is set in 2000. So there's this like nineties residual um, pop culture vibe that's going on in the dialogue and the films that they're interested in and the music videos and really what shaped them as teenagers. And so I think uh, readers are going to really enjoy this like nostalgic trip down 90s, you know, nostalgic trip down 90s lane because, you know, you really visit a lot of things that you haven't thought about in a long time, like simple things like food, food from the 90s. Like for me, if I drink a raspberry snapple, it's 1996 and I'm looking for my retainer. That's so funny because now I remember snapple that tell us some more 90s food. Uh, snack wells. Do you remember those fat free cookies? No, I remember was, Snapple for sure, but there's this, these cookies called snack wells and they were called, they're fat free. And mm. so women were just eating them and they tasted like Oreos, but it was like crammed with sugar. Cause we didn't realize that you had to look at the sugar count as well as the fat count. And so snack wells is like a super nineties snack. Um, there was Snapple. What else? Um, those are the two main ones, but, uh, that's cool. Gucci salads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was with goat cheese and strawberry that was very very 90s i remember <laughs> which one like uh, a salad with like crumbled blue cheese or no oh, yeah. crumbled goat cheese with nuts mm. and strawberries that was when it first came out now that's such like a basic salad but like back in the 90s it was like it was like the kale of you know salads <laughs> yeah and you've been living in uh, france now for like 13 years yes yeah i moved here in 2009 and do you go back like once in a, a year? To, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, with two suitcases and a and a dream. How much money was in your pocket? Not much. I think okay. it probably went came with like yeah, thousand dollars. That's so cool. Uh, what year was that? Two thousand nine. Okay. Well, I I came to Europe in ninety five with two thousand dollars in my pocket. So, and it went all the way down to zero before I got my first job. But. Uh, Cool. Almost the same parallel, a little parallel there, you know, and yeah. do you go back to America once a year to scarf on the food. I used to. Yeah. But actually the food's better where you are, isn't it? I, yeah, it is. I mean, 
it depends what you're looking for in terms of variety. I love when I go back to New York and I can just get anything I want at any time because here, I mean, I don't, I'm not in Paris, so I'm in a small medieval village outside of Paris. So, I mean, it is limiting what I can find, but the food is really, really freaking good. So, and when I find myself missing uh, French food, when I'm in New York, I'm like, Ooh, Oh, I'm looking for a little, like the bread, a bread that cracks perfectly. And it's soft in the middle and it's hot. I mean, I became a kind of a bread snob since moving here. (laughs) That's a good one. I think the Germans are the bigger bread snobs because the first thing they complain about is the bread was terrible on vacation, you know, but uh, you, you said a keyword a medieval city outside of Paris. That's cool. Are you going to get into Edgar Allan Poe now or something like that? I Yeah, yeah, I should. <laughs> I really should and just kind of like really work with my surroundings because I mean, our village is like hemmed in by like, um, it's, for, it's fortified. Like mm-hmm. my backyard wall is part of the fortification that protected the, the, um, the village from like, wars cool what year is it does it did they tell you what year it's from now you're quizzing me yeah <laughs> i don't know yeah i should know my husband he just went downstairs he's from here he would tell me in a minute i should know because yeah, sometimes those cities say established in 5 bc and stuff like whoa you're <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, what i no, love we just about have a Europe. bullet from napoleon in the in the uh fortification like an yeah, actual bullet there's a bullet <laughs> from napoleon that is cool that yeah, is way really cool. cool yeah it's a, it's a trip what a lot of of our american listeners they don't get it uh well they can't get it because you're walking around sometimes and if you're walking around with the night the right person they'll tell you yeah that's where you know uh so-and-so ate and or or this you know, in my first house, my my first and only house in Germany is on a Stone Age cemetery. I found out mm. from the neighbor and he wasn't allowed to dig in his backyard because the museum came and, and had to take all the bones first and stuff. So it's like crazy fifth century or five BC, you know. So, yeah, maybe you should do some digging in your backyard. <laughs> I probably should. My my son, my son, would get a kick out of that. We are we were. If our uh, our vegetable patch was on a patch of bones, yeah, <laughs> in a pile of bones. Okay, back to your book. Enough, enough playing around here, huh? So <laughs> your book isn't on Amazon yet. It, when is it coming out? It comes out September twenty first. Okay, and and right now, so I'm kind of skipping ahead. I hope you don't what? mind, but um, it's available on your website, right? Well, not for purchase, but um, through my mailing list, if readers would like an advanced reader copy, a digital copy right now, I'd be more than happy to send it off to, I mean, to to read and maybe drop a review on uh, Goodreads if they want to. Um, But um, through my, um, um, my mailing list is Lisa, hold on, I have to check this. Well, the web, I got it from your website, right from your book funnel. Oh, yes. So, yeah, you can access my mailing list from my website or my uh, landing page. Cool. Which is lisamashadauthor.com. So I'm definitely giving away some digital arcs. If any readers are interested in taking a trip down, you know, memory lane, hitting the 90s, going on tour with a rock band, definitely, definitely join the mailing list and let me know and you'll get one immediately. Right on. Yeah, I did. Thank you very much. I haven't had time to read it, though. I just did that last night. And uh, thank you. And um, 
Yeah, I've been looking at your website and your Instagram and all that stuff, and it's looking really good. So Thank you. let's see, back to your book, though. So it comes out in September. Okay, so we've got June, July, June, July, August. Okay, so that, that gives you time to build up uh, a launch. And yeah. let's see, what else do we got here? What is your writing style? Do you, do you, have, do you just go, go full on out or do you, do you plot and use stuff like that? I'm a definite, I'm like a plotter and a pantser. I'm both, I'm really both. I mean, like I, I like in front of me right now is the beats of uh, the second book, which is already written, but I keep the beats in front of me just to keep the story fresh. And I mean, I daydream about my characters all the time and I'm like, ooh, maybe they should be doing that. They're gonna do that. And I add it. And so I'm, I'm half pantsing it. But there is a roadmap, so I know how it's going to start. I know the mid, the midpoint, and I do know how it's going to end. But all the details in the middle is the fun part, like just <laughs> the research. I mean, when I wrote Slanted and Disenchanted, I read books on drum theory. Hmm. Okay, really? you don't need an Ambien. If, you're, if you can't fall asleep, get a book on drum theory. You'll fall asleep in about like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> is that because bad, my, huh? my uh, character is a drummer. Ah, Okay. Yeah, it reminds me of Spinal Tap. They go through a new drummer every every gig, you know. <laughs> so are you using the three-act structure? Yes, yes, oh, okay. it is on the three-act structure. Absolutely. Cool. Interesting. And um, what was I going to ask you next? <laughs> the three-act structure. Oh, okay. And uh, what do you do about writer's block then? I do. I, you know, I love YouTube yoga, nothing too twisty or bendy or flippy, you know, really calm, calming yoga, um, breath techniques, like alternate nostril breathing, or I pick up my guitar and I just learn a song that I had always wanted to learn. Normally it's like a challenging song. And then I just sit down and write because you know what, you, you can't wait for inspiration to come for you, come to you. And you might just write garbage for, for days. I wrote garbage for years before I landed on this book. But every day I sat down and wrote for three hours and I have books upon books that I will never publish because they're awful, mm -hmm. they're really bad. Yeah, I get it, I get it. That's the feeling I have now with my first novel too. You know, you want, I wanna go back and rewrite the whole darned thing now and uh, maybe I will, we'll see. Got it. But that's You'll why I was it. asking you if you use the, you know, the three act structure or some kind of template or something and uh, yeah, well, I use save the cat theory. Do you know save the cat? Yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, that's kind of. I don't know if it saved me, but um, you know, I've written novellas up to fifteen, twenty thousand words. That's easy. Well, easy for me, but um, much easier than writing a novel. And yeah, that's interesting. You use the save the cat thing. I just discovered it about six months ago. It's really good. And there's save the cat book too, the novel for novels. There's yeah, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I have both of them and I use them. I, I was like you, I was so, I didn't understand story structure. I didn't know where to start, but I had all these ideas. I had all these scenes. I had these characters and I wanted to do something with them. And then a friend of mine who's a screenwriter, he was like, just get a save the cat book. And I read it and it was just like, yeah. Oh, it's like every other book, every other yeah. movie you've read with all yeah. of the, the story beats. And yeah, it's, it's pretty like, cool, huh? Yeah. It's, and you just go, okay, and you just fill in the, you know, you fill in the holes and, and voila, you have your story. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love to analyze movies now and um, 
some books some books don't follow it some books follow the hero's journey which is uh that's an actual story with with what do you call it fixed characters that you have to fill into and yeah. uh, doesn't i don't know you can make it you can fit it into the three act structure and and the save the cat but um uh the hero's journey is also um one of those transformational things and um uh those two go together really well. So uh, I love analyzing movies and stuff. And uh, yeah, so what is- Do you say like, are we, in, do you say things like, oh, this is the midpoint or fun and games is over. You know, all their little, uh, their little um, titles for each beat. And my husband hates watching movies with me. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, um, what's the um, dark night of the soul is coming up yeah. now. All is lost yeah. is next. And he's like, oh, can we just watch the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? But um, you know, there are many more. There's another one called the Story Grid. That's what I started with. Mm. It's really super, super good for all books, but it's very good for short stories. And then you can adapt it to long stories or novels. And uh, so that that can be confusing. Actually, they they overlay, and the Story Grid is more of um. I don't want to butcher this, but it's more about how to keep the action rising and where the action and the low points are. And mm. I, I really don't want to uh, say any more about it because I'll probably ruin it. But uh, uh, yeah, there are a bunch of templates out there. Um, so, but Save the Cat, I, I super recommend that one. So. Me too. Okay. Are you building your audience? Do you have any methods or hacks or how are you building your audience? Well, I started blogging 10 years ago. So I'm kind of walking into my first novel with a few suitcases. I have, I have a, a small, a modest audience, but they're loyal. It's a loyal audience and they're like friends now. I mean, some of, some of my readers were invited to my wedding just to give you an idea. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, because I, I had a blog, and it was a really personal blog and it's not up anymore, but it was just about my experiences in Paris. And what I did was I just really connected with the readers and talked about like what's going on in their lives as well, because I'm so, so exposed that of course they knew everything about me that when it came to conversing with them, it was like, well, what about you? Where do you live? How are you feeling? And I think they really appreciated that. And after I had a baby, I took a few years off of marketing. I was writing of course, but I just kind of took a I took time off from being on social media and my readers were waiting for me when I announced my book. I mean, I got emails and and like, really, awesome. it was a really beautiful reception and it was just blogging, writing for free for years. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, pitching articles, but then, but just really connecting with the reader and conversation and just being, just mm -hmm. being there for them. I Why mean, I have a reader who's coming to visit me in two days because I'm playing a, a rock concert for French Music Day and he's coming and he's staying with us. And I mean, he yeah. moved to Paris because of me because I made it seem like it was possible. He was like, nice. you inspired me to move to Paris. I read your mm -hmm. blog and I said, I think I can do that too. And he did and he's doing great. Awesome. And and oh, but your blog's not up anymore, huh? No, I know this is kind <laughs> of, there's no <laughs> blog, but um, I mean, <clears throat> From there, I'm just building. I have all my readers on social media, and mm -hmm. in a way, I'm building 
that way, but you know, I'm still learning new tricks also because blogging that was 10 years ago. So, you mm. know, the technology has definitely advanced since then. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm definitely pretty chatty on Twitter and I've definitely built my, some readership that way. Um, talking to other YA music fans, mm. but, but yeah, no, I don't have any special hack. I'm kind of just figuring it out. I was, I was just thinking if you had a blog going and you had all of that SEO and, and, and uh, traffic going, then maybe you could have saved a part of it to keep the traffic going to your book. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know. I should have. I should have. I, I think I was just like, I had a baby. I'm done because it was a very single girl in Paris. And I was just like, okay. And I just kind of wanted to turn the page. And I've had, I would have readers write me and being like, oh, I kind of wanted to read that one story again. It was so good. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I don't know, maybe I'll try and resuscitate it. Well, uh, as long as you're putting them on your email list, right? Are you building your email list? Yes, yes. Oh. I'm definitely building my email email list. Um, but again, I don't have any great hacks. I mean, I, I have my, uh, my lead magnet, which is, I have a pretty fun lead magnet. It's pretty irresistible. So I- Yeah, tell um, us about that. I was, I was looking at it and then uh, go ahead. It's a, um, so my book, okay, so it's set in 2000, but there's the, all the 90s references as we talked about. I created a 90s style quiz and like who, who were you in the 90s? And it goes through music, um, snacks, trends, um, backpacks, uh, movies. And at the end of the, the quiz, the results comes with a playlist based on your quiz result. So if you are more, grunge you're going to get a playlist with nirvana and red hot chili peppers and jane's addiction um if you're more indie you're going to get a playlist with like maybe pavement uh weezer blur so and it's doing really well because people who doesn't love taking a quiz about them yeah yeah it works really well it's like a they call yeah. it a quiz funnel actually and um i'm gonna have oh, to do okay. that uh, i got inspired by ryan levesque he wrote a whole book about it and if you don't have that book, it's called Ask, A-S-K, by Ryan Levesque, and, and will help you tighten up your funnel and maybe, I, I haven't actually been through your quiz yet, but uh, <laughs> like I said, I downloaded your book, but I haven't done your quiz yet. And uh, so, but- You have to we, find uh, out what your, your 90s style is. I'll find out, I'm gonna find <laughs> out. Find out. <laughs> Yeah, your 90 style, you were living in Germany. It was 1995. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, so, Man, that's why I was asking about the foods and red hot chili peppers. I wasn't really into them, but um, yeah, that was definitely around that time. And uh, who were you into in the 90s? Oh, man, you know who was big was Danzig. Do you remember Danzig? That's my karaoke song, Mother by Danzig. Mother. Is my karaoke yeah. song. <laughs> my karaoke. Yeah. You give me like, give me a whiskey and I'll do a good mother. Hey, yeah. Hey, we got to set that up. Did you ever go to the Halloween uh, concerts at Irvine Meadows with Danzig and White Zombie? No. Oh, you I, missed something there. That I'm was, sure I did. That Rob was Zombie awesome. is like Mr. Halloween. Yeah, I, I love White Zombie and Danzig. and um, Me too. I don't remember who else from the 90s. Yeah, I'll have to scrape my brain later to figure it out. <laughs> Those are good. Those are good bands. So yeah. Danzig and White Zombie, that's, you know, yeah. that's... That's off the grid a little bit. Yeah, and um, White Zombie, they made their own sound. That's why I really liked them. They were like their own genre. They were really cool. Yeah, so, uh, okay. If uh, Are they in your quiz funnel? 
No, they're not. Uh-oh. And they should Uh-oh. be. I, I mean, I try to cover everyone. I, I'm going to give away, I'm going to give away one question. And this is my favorite question. It goes, who's your favorite nineties drew, which is your favorite nineties drew Barrymore? Because drew Barrymore went through so many different transformation in the nineties that eighties was ET, right? No, 90s is like she did Batman Forever. She did the, oh, yeah. the sexy guest ads. She did her grungy thing. She did um, Ever After, where she was more like um, Cinderella. She did Never Been Kissed, where she was a little more preppy, you know? And it's like Drew Barrymore had this huge, like, wow. presence in the 90s and that everyone identifies with one Drew Barrymore of the 90s. That's a hard one for me uh, because uh, the last Drew Barrymore film I remember was when she had that what was a thousand first dates where she had a brain injury and she had no short term or long term memory I with Adam Sandler, yeah. Adam Sandler, Genau, Genau, yep. Genau. I'm yep. talking German at you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the name of that movie? Thousand first dates. A thousand. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. But that was that the 90s. I don't remember. I think that was like 2001, you know, when everyone, mm. all the 90s stars started bleeding mm. into the 2000s. And I don't know that weird time where we're yeah. the new millennium where we were all supposed to either die or you know, our <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we're supposed to explode <laughs> oh the 2000 bug yeah oh man, man that was a... yeah that's mentioned in my book by the way oh very good yeah it's definitely a, a reference in my book because i remember being scared i was like 20 and i was like is our computer gonna blow up like is our bank accounts gonna be emptied and my mom's like i don't know <laughs> maybe mm. Yeah, the, I was a very anticlimactic. Um, I think some planes messed up or something. I don't remember though. That, that basically nothing happened, did it? Well, I yeah, and I said that one time. I was like, nothing happened, and somebody corrected me. They're like, nothing happened because there were programmers making sure nothing happened, and I was like, ah. oh, okay. Yeah. So they, it, you guys did your job. Thank you. Y two K. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right. So we've got your book launch in September, Danzig Karaoke. And let's see what else we got. Who who is your favorite author? Well, my genre is YA. So I love Mary H.K. Choi. Um, her book, Permanent Record, was just like one of my favorite YA books of the last few years. And uh, I read her book. I purposely read her purposefully read her book after I finished the final edits of Slanted and Disenchanted, because I knew there was. I, I felt like we were going to have some similarities, so I didn't want to be influenced by her genius. Um, but it was amazing that her protagonist Pablo is very similar to my protagonist Pete. Different backgrounds, of course, but just how they talk. These really brazen, shoot from the hip kind of guys. So she's my favorite. YA author, but my favorite author right now is that I'm totally having a literary crush on Kerouac. <laughs> yeah. Like I know I'm jumping, coming late to the party. I read On the Road a long time ago, but for some reason I just, I read On the Road to just research a little bit of road trip um, literature for the novel, just to make sure I was hitting all the, the right marks. And then I just like ate through his entire bibliography this mm. uh, between 2020 and 2021. And then going even deeper into like the letters that he exchanged with Allen Ginsberg and Neil Cassidy, where it feels like it's like in like an archaeological dig through the 40s and 50s and the, the literary scene in New York. 
That's cool, huh? Yeah. It's a really cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that. But then uh, there's so much to read. How do you prioritize, you know? I have a stack of novels next on my nightstand and I mm-hmm. just chip through them. It's, it's really, I mean, I compulsively buy books. There are books, unread books all over this house. And I just finish one and then I put it in the on my bookshelf <laughs> and I just grab another one. And you just keep yeah. going through them. So you read every day? Every day. Yeah. Very good. Me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what is your favorite book? Uh, my favorite book is Women by Charles Bukowski. And well, I, it's, it's a two-parter. And then Girl by Blake Nelson, which is, was the first YA book I ever read, which mm-hmm. is set in the 90s. Um, but it's like, the names are similar. They, they couldn't be more different, women and girl. And I love, uh, well, I love Bukowski because he's just so raw. Talk about an unliked, flawed protagonist. Hmm. I mean, he just is drunken guy in Los Angeles, mailman, um, <laughs> women, alcohol. And it's just so pathetic, but you just, you feel bad for him. And you just like yeah. want to send him to an AA meeting already. <laughs> and yeah. then Girl is just a real coming of age story um, set in the Pacific Northwest. Um and it's, it's around rock music too. So it's very similar to Slanted and Disenchanted where there's this pop culture um, presence, but there's also, you know, a coming of age story of a girl growing into herself, her first experiences. And so those two books I can read over and over. I can read those two books every year for the rest of my life. Nice, nice. I, I don't remember which one I read twice. Um, I recently read Frankenstein by Mary Shelley and... This is one where I'm saying I actually like the films better. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. Not, not, you know, it doesn't happen often. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a heavy, yeah, it's a heavy piece of work. Yeah. Have you read it? Yes. Yeah. In college, yeah. yes. It's very emotional, very emotional. And yes. uh, yeah. I don't know, man. It was really interesting because, um, is it 200, 100 or 200 years old? And uh I was, I was really analyzing, you know, uh, the grammar and everything and the words and the sentence structure, very interesting from that point of view. I would not write a book. I wouldn't recommend anybody to write like that nowadays, but um, it's, uh, I I don't know. It's, it's really interesting reading these old books sometimes. It is to get a peek at like just life before. I mean, even if you're going back to like Kerouac or, you know, I was reading a lot of Keats. I like to read Keats um, on Valentine's Day. Just, that's my romantic side. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's just nice to kind of take a break from 2020, 2021, where there's no hashtags and it's just <laughs> yeah. life, yeah. you know? So yeah, it's a nice escape sometimes. So do you have any... Uh productivity hacks or life hacks? I do. I I think everybody should, if they can, it's not possible for everyone, but take a 15 minute nap every day. If you can Mm -hmm. just to recharge the batteries. I mean, I do, I do it every day before I pick my son up from school and I talk about self-care that to me defines self-care is just, and you set your alarm and you train your body it used to take me 15 minutes to fall asleep for my 15 minute nap, but now I've trained my body to fall asleep in 30 seconds and I get up and my body actually automatically wow. wakes up now. How I don't did need you do the alarm that? anymore. I've done it for, it's been a few years. 
Uh-huh. And now my because I was going to say, it takes me 15 minutes to fall asleep. How do you, how do you do that? You know, I, are you using some kind of hypnosis, self-hypnosis or something? Just uh, deep breathing. And then I kind of focus my, I look in between my, uh, my third eye or in between mm-hmm. your eyebrows. Yeah. And yeah. you just deep breathe and your body just knows that you're, you're close, you're shutting down. Huh. And before, when I first started these afternoon naps, though, I would sleep for three hours and it just defeated the whole purpose and it messed up my whole cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's happens to me. That's why, yeah. uh, your body yeah. gets used to it. Yeah. That's so you just trained yourself to fall asleep really fast and then do a 15 minute nap. I've heard of 40 minute naps. The pilots are supposed to do 40 minute naps and, uh, yeah. supposedly scientifically proven 40 minutes is the best to, to, more longer is not good because you go into the deep sleep and then less is well it's less of a recovery so uh, the the airline industry is in 40 minutes and uh, wow but you're you really uh trained yourself to do 15 minutes that's that's really good that's some self-discipline there and i'm being rebellious because my mom was a flight attendant my mom Ah. and she did tell me that too she was like yeah she's from new york too she's like so i wasn't lying Yeah, yeah no no 40 minutes she's like do 40 minutes. That's what we yeah. do in the, that's what we do on the plane, you know, and they yeah. have sometimes have bunkers or they're sleeping in like first class. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is, you're absolutely right. It is 40 minutes. Hmm. So what's the one thing you would do differently if you had to do it all over again? It's a little personal, but I would say definitely just listen to your gut. I mean, our gut tells us so much more. It's so intuitive and I've spent so many, like, there's been so many times where I've just said, no, no, it's nothing. It's in my head. I'm being crazy. I'm being sensitive in terms of like, just whether it's business relationships, friendships, and you don't, I, you don't listen to your, your, your inner voice being like, "Mm, something seems off. I wouldn't change anything about my life where I've lived, what I've done, all the jobs I've had, whether it was being an extra in Hollywood or, you know, filing taxes in France. (laughs) <laughs> I would say follow, listen to your gut. It knows better. And I think you'd be, you'll make some really awesome decisions. So if I can go back and just kind of tweak some things because my intuition was telling me to go in a different direction, I would, I would listen, but otherwise, no, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with cool. everything. Nice. Well, um, when did you move to France? Uh, 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's on the horizon for you? Um, so I'm going to working on the marketing of this book and then October 1st, book two. And I start working on the edits for book two, even though it's written and I know where my, my kids are going, I call them my characters. I'm going to just start working on that and hopefully get it published by next September. I'm on a, I'm on a, yeah. on a September schedule. I feel like September is like the real new year. September school starts, right? School starts, summer's over. I feel like in January, everyone's depressed, fat, cold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I've noticed that here in Germany too, September, everybody's coming back from vacation and everybody's back. It's not just that school starts, everybody's back, you know? It's a European thing. Yeah. France too. August, it's it's a ghost town. And then Mm -hmm. September comes, it feels like a real new year, but everyone's happy. Everyone's rested, vacation, yeah. tan, well-fed, and they're ready to, 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 to get back into the rhythm of things. January, I feel like we're just like, 
Oh, okay. Like January for me is like the fake new year. <laughs> September is yeah. real new year. Yeah, it's, it's cold. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. Get to shoot off fireworks. <laughs> so what's your number one tip for beginning authors or entrepreneurs, whatever? I'd say for authors or, or yeah, entrepreneurs, I just don't worry about the noise. It's so noisy out there. There's so much going on, so much conversation, so much trending and going viral. I don't know. Just keep your head down and work and you're believe in your words, believe in your message and everything else will, will, will sort itself out. And that's what I had. That's what I did. Cause I was working on this one book that I thought would be like this great success. And I was too busy listening outside, outside. And the result was the writing was really bad mm. or just not interesting. It was boring. Like my mom, everyone says, don't listen to your mom. Your mom's going to always love your book. My mom's an Italian woman from Long Island. She read my <laughs> first book and she was like, I fell asleep. I didn't like it. And I was like, okay, cool. My, this slanted and disenchanted. She had comments. What happened? She was so involved in the story that I'm like, I think I might be onto something because my mom likes it. And my mom doesn't give compliments that easy. Again, yeah. tough Italian woman from Long Island. So interesting. Yeah. yeah, that that's the thing. If uh if they're involved in your book and uh yeah, well, you get the feed the, the real feedback then, you know, and that because I say that too. You shouldn't have your family buy your book because then they're um when they're in Amazon, Amazon's tracking them. And so if your family is not in your target audience, like let's say me, and I'm buying Navy SEALs books, and then I say, okay, I'm going to buy your book because I like you and I want to do you a favor. Well, in the beginning, you might not be doing a favor because your book is new and the Amazon algorithm doesn't know anything about it. So if I'm the first person that buys your book, they might start hooking your book up with Navy SEALs books and stuff. So it's, it's very important to build your email list, only your targeted readers and get them to go buy your book first before mom and dad buy it, you know, but how I do think your mom is the exception. She's not buying a book. No, <laughs> we're putting to her to work when I go back to New York in two weeks. Uh, we're doing like a massive mailing and uh, she's like, well, I want lunch. And so we're, we have to take her out for a nice lunch afterwards. Oh, that's that's good, though. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. <laughs> Talking about lunch. Perfect. If you could eat dinner with anyone, past, present or future, who would it be? So, Eric, I want to give the, the, the insightful and the deep answer, which would obviously be Abraham Lincoln, because I love him. And I've had the absolute pleasure of dressing up as him twice mm. in my life when I was nine and ten. Cool. With with the little mole. For Halloween um, or what? No, I actually, okay, so I went to two different schools. I switched schools from um, uh, fourth grade to fifth grade. And in fourth grade, we got the 50 States Project. And I, oh. I got Illinois. So I had to learn about Abraham Lincoln and everything about Illinois. We switched schools. I moved from Manhattan to Long Island. We did the 50 States Project. <laughs> I got Illinois. Cool. And my mom was like, did you, did you angle for that? Because I had, I had already done the research. I'm like, it's absolutely not. It's so I fate. dressed up as Abe Lincoln two times. And so I, I have a soft spot for Abe and I want to, I want to see how tall is he really seven foot tall with the hat on. Yeah. With the hat on, but my fun answer, like my real answer, I really think, and a lot of people don't like this person, but I think having dinner with Courtney love would be 
a dinner for the ages. I mean, I'm surprised she doesn't even have a podcast. She is so entertaining whenever I hear her. She needs yeah. a podcast. That's Courtney, true. if you're listening, you need a podcast. Yeah. Courtney, she what's has up so with that? What? <laughs> what's up with what? that, Courtney? Yeah. Why do I mean like she I, she really is well read. I mean, she gets so much slack for whatever, but she's well read. She knows culture, she knows fashion, and she has the best stories and she has no filter. I think that's what really ties it all together. I she like doesn't that. care. Yeah. She needs a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's so cool about podcasts? You can't really censor them because they are a, a feed. So, okay, so what if Facebook bans you? So what? I can still hear the podcast. You can't do anything about it. It's like email. You know, you can't ban email. You can't deplatform somebody from email. So Courtney could rip it up in the podcastosphere. We're going to have to contact thing. Courtney after this. I, I think so. I think <laughs> we should get Courtney in to do yeah. her podcast. It'd be great. Okay. Trick question. What's in your pockets right now? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Doing Zen. Yeah. All you I, have is all you need. Zen Buddhism. I have a pen in my hand. This is very telling on what, who I am. I always have a pen somewhere, but it's on my pocket. It's always in my hand or my old waitress days. It's in the back of my hair. Nice. But you, you type your books or do you dictate them or do you write them? I do. I do both. I mean, I, my notes are on my phone. Um, something comes up, I have my pen, boom, boom, boom. But then yes, I do type the actual manuscripts. No, my hands, no, I already play guitar. So I don't, yeah. I don't want to abuse my hands anymore. I want to get to that next. Uh, uh, but first, one more question. Sure. Do you have a morning routine? I do. I do. I drink um, a big Americano, which in France is called a cafe allongé which means a, a coffee that's asleep, which is just basically filtered coffee. And I play Bob Dylan covers and the Strokes covers for my son while he eats his craves. My son is French and American. Mm -hmm. And so he has this like total American cultural background, but he's also so freaking French that it's just, it's so amazing to see cool. that he speaks both languages. And so he's eating his crepes and he's like, oh, will you do a Bob Dylan song? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So he's got a French American accent. Yes. Yeah. When he speaks English, it's very, it's, it's very cute. He How old is he? Uh, six. My son is six. Yeah. How fun is this age? Yeah. Oh, this. It's yeah. Cute. Yeah. That's after six. They say it, it. It's not as cute anymore. <laughs> but um, ah, so is he speaking both languages uh, well? Well, no, his French is is phenomenal, but his English, he's especially after, you know, uh, the pandemic, we haven't been back to the States. So when we go back to the States to visit my mom, he's kind of, he's forced into mm -hmm. the English language, but now he's been kind of like on easy streets. Like, I don't need to speak English. Everyone speaks French. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, French is his dominant language, but we go back to the States next week and it's, it's going to be English all the way. And he goes, well, they're going to speak, people are going to speak French, right? At some point. I'm like, no, no one's like secretly a French speaker and they're just going to like bust it out. Just be like, okay, George, you did your English. <laughs> cool. Cool. What, um, Hey, you're going to the States. Did you have to get all those Corona shots and tests? And how does that work? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to have the, I have to be tested and then vaccinated. So mm -hmm. I, 
in, I'm in that process. Flying into New York, right? Yes. Yeah. My cousin was in uh, California, LAX, and he said they come in the plane with their white suits on and then they temperature, take your temperature from your forehead before you can even get off the plane. But uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's Thank why you. I haven't, I haven't been up. back yet. Yeah. I, I know. I, if, if I honestly, if I didn't have my mom there and my son, I could, I could sit tight for another year until everything gets a little more calm, but family first, right? Yeah. Well, I'm waiting to go back. But when the, when the pandemic started, I already had a ticket and then British Airways canceled it and gave me a two-year voucher. So I, I better use it quick. <laughs> What's your, where do you go back to California? Yeah. Yeah. Always either LAX or San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. Which part of California are you in? Both. My, my dad lives in Northern California and my mother lives in Southern California. So, okay. yeah. And uh, I usually fly in into San Francisco first though. That's a nice air. SFO is a nice airport. Yeah, it's okay. I like it better than LAX. That's for sure. But yeah, LAX can get a little hairy. Yeah. The parking, forget it. Oh God, let's not even go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is. Let's let's be positive today. Let's stay positive. Let's see. Yeah. What's the one question you wish people would ask you? I see you answered that. So now I'm going to ask you that. What was your inspiration for the book? My inspiration for the book was a podcast. Oh, okay. I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and this band, the Black Keys were on and they, I just love this connection between a two piece band and they were just making each other laugh. And they had like these great stories that they were sharing with each other. And I built a story in my head based on this band even though it's a guy and a girl they have different backgrounds it's like the story isn't about the black keys but it inspired me if anybody wants to listen to a really awesome episode of joe rogan show check out the black keys october 2019 it's probably the most entertaining podcast i have ever heard the drummer patrick carney is like off the rails and he's just talking about everything from the Grammys to his record label. And he just doesn't hold back. And I just had this in my head and I built this story around this episode, but then of course, built on it from my own experiences. And then, and then of Mm. course, research, the book has so, I had to do so much research for this book. Mm. That that's a good tip because Joe Rogan has so many podcasts. He's like a podcast every day. Right. And uh, the black keys. Yeah. I like them. I like them. Cool. Talking about music, let me see. Can you see the pictures? I can, yeah. There's your kid, your your six-year-old boy with a blue guitar. Mm. And your Romeo, you're sitting on Romeo's lap. And <laughs> what else is <laughs> yeah. there? What where are you two in this top picture, top middle? Um where I'm sitting on his lap. Oh, we're no, no, a- that where you oh. you're standing with your son somewhere. Oh, we're outside uh, our neighbor's house. <laughs> This is where we live. This is our medieval village. This is one oh, of the nice. streets in the village. Cool. Um, so let's see. And then, my, yeah, the guitar picture, my son just took up, took my guitar and he started playing it and he actually, it sounded actually okay. And we're, mm. we're still kind of like floored by it. This happened like yesterday. And he, of course he has to make the dramatic face. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like it. Like it. How about this one? Let's see. Where are you there in the top left for me? Is that the top right for you? Is that 
Is, um, is there a hot air balloon over my head? No, the very top picture looks like a, a canal, maybe. Oh, the... no, that's a swimming pool on Long Island. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's okay. not that exotic. <laughs> nice. And where's this sunset picture from? That's uh, Echo Park, California. Uh, so oh. Los Angeles. And where's this one? Let me see. Right there. That's, um, that's Montpellier. Oh, which is uh, and the south of France. Yeah, we did a lot of traveling. This is 2019. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. And how about this one? That, oh, oh, that's the canal one. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the swimming pool on Long Island. Oh, okay. Nice, cool. I like your Instagram profile. Let me see what else we got going here. Ah, there's, there's your website. And... Um, this is where they can go to pick up your book, right? Or to get news on my book. Uh, it'll definitely be on Amazon soon um, by September. So that'll be the probably the preferred way to pick it up. But mm -hmm. I'm still learning. Um, I will. It'll be available on other on Apple books as well as Barnes and Noble. So I'm not just relying on Amazon. I am Ingram sparking it a little bit. Oh, really? How, how are you liking Ingram Spark? I'm not quite there yet. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's a next week to-do list check. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've heard mixed reviews, but I mean, I really wanted a hardcover of my book. I want my mm -hmm. book to be able to be uh, available in libraries. Mm -hmm. So that was why I decided to go that route. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I know it's, it's ambitious for, for, for a debut author. I can't um, convince myself to do it because... I heard you have to pay every time you update a book. And that for me is just no, that just to, against my workflow, you know, because I update my book books once a month sometimes. So yeah, okay. I'm always putting new offers, new, new lead magnets and stuff. And so that can get expensive. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I need a flexible workflow, you know? So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, ah, uh, yeah. I forgot to ask you, you're making a series with, um, slanted and dischanted right there's the next yeah, book. So there'll be a three book yeah just three book series though not anything uh longer than that and the third book is written as well the whole series is sketched out written more than sketched and uh so yeah it's a three-part series so right now we're finding out there are new bands and we're going to find out what happens in the third book where do they end up mm -hmm. are they with each other are they not i mean it's all open-ended cool yeah, that's um, that's uh, opens up another topic about how you plot three books in a row. If you look at Star Wars, the three first movies, you'll see the hero's journey through the three movies, not in each movie, but the journey is complete in three movies. Over the arc. Yeah, yeah exactly. And when is in, in Empire Strikes Back in the second movie, that's where he has his uh, pit scene, the dark night of the soul or whatever where he goes, he goes down yeah. and meets his whatever, his uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So are, are you, do you have an arc going for your series? I do. Well, this book was actually written as one book. Mm -hmm. And so it was already, the beats were already written out. But I was like, this is three books right here. It was broken up in three parts. And I, there was just so much story that needed to be fleshed out that I had written the one book 
And I actually tried to do a tradition. I tried to do traditional publishing, but after a week, I said, no, no, no. My characters deserve better than this. And we're going to make this, we're going to flesh this out. I'm blowing this book out to a three-part series and I'm going to do this myself. It's a quirky book. It's, it's not mainstream at all, but you know what? I know there's, there's a readership because it's, it's hitting that emotional, those emotional beats and it's nostalgic and it's funny. Cool. I'm not, I'm tooting my own horn here. It's funny. Yeah. Nice. So, I look forward yeah. to reading it. I just downloaded it last night and um, yeah. So like that's, and it's coming out in September. If the readers want it, an art copy, it's lisacmichaud.com, L-I-S-A-C-M-I-C-H-A-U-D.com. And they can also take your quiz there, the 90s quiz. Yes. Nice. Yes. And, and get a playlist. We... Yeah. Yeah. Playlist. Where else can we find you on, uh, what is it, Twitter and Instagram? I'm on Twitter, Lisa Simi Show on Mishad with an American accent on Twitter, Lisa C. Mishad on Instagram. And I'm very chatty. So if anyone wants to talk with me, drop me a, drop me a line, a, a comment, a message, and, and we'll talk. Um, I'm an Italian girl from Long Island. We like talking. <laughs> nice, nice. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time, Lisa. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah. And uh, when your next book comes out, we can do some kind of coordinated launch in September for this book for Slanted and Dischanted. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing you for the next book. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upvote this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top.